Welcome to Bushwhacking, where we bushwhack. I'm, <laughs> I'm Jack. <laughs> I'm Fish. <laughs> if you couldn't tell, we don't have a script. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So, for those that are new to our show, uh, bushwhacking is a... A term that we invented, sort of, <laughs> where we we pick a topic, and it's usually something weird or offbeat, mm-hmm. and uh, we we talk about it. We see what paths we we can take with it, and see where it takes us. Yeah. So to go in a little more depth for those who have been listening, what we usually do is that we pick a topic and then. After a week or so, we'll, we will come with our own notes and our own thoughts about it, but we, we don't discuss it with each other. And these aren't conversations that have never been had in existence on the earth. They are just conversations that me and Fish have never had before. Hence, bushwhacking. We start off somewhere and we end up somewhere and we just camp there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack and I are, uh, campers. And we, we're wilderness people. Mm-hmm. We're wilderness people, but we also love learning and talking about pretty much everything. I don't, I don't really think there's a realm of conversation that we haven't touched at least once. Maybe we'll find that out. One of these episodes. <laughs> so, we are gaining a lot of momentum and we are very grateful for all of you faithful listeners mom and (laughs) we want to thank everybody for listening and we want to thank our very first monthly subscriber caleb l thank you so much hopefully you're not alone in this (laughs) yeah um just a quick reminder to vote for the spooky king Mm -hmm. uh this is episode three we did a, a spooky episode and we have a competition going Mm-hmm. Uh, go to that episode on uh, Spotify and and vote on our poll. Yeah, vote on our poll on Spotify. Go to any of the platforms that you are able to reach this podcast at, and you can leave a comment even and count that as a vote. And leave a review as well if the platform allows you to do so. I know Apple does, and the more we get reviewed, the more you give us your honest feedback, the better we can... Not only spread the word of this podcast, bushwhacking, but the more we know what you like and what we can improve and what you want us to dig deeper into. And with that, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's bushwhack. Woo. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll uh, introduce us. So our bushwhacking topic for today is, has the internet gotten better over time? Yep. Was it like a fine wine or was it like a cheap gallon of milk? Um, And this may seem like a really dumb question. Like, you see the advancements technology has had. And we're not going to be arguing too much over whether it has improved, you know, like some machine. Like, we're not arguing that. But more of like, did it really become better? The experience Mm -hmm. of the internet. To start this off, I wanted to ask you, Fish, what is your earliest memory of using the internet? Yeah, I was thinking about that. 
I, the earliest memory I have, and this isn't the first time I used the internet, but it's my earliest memory of using the internet, mm-hmm. is I went to my kindergarten like computer tech lab and the the lady there taught us about Google. <laughs> and she said, this is a, a search engine. <laughs> and if you type something in there, it uh, goes through all the internet and pulls up all the results. And I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. And I, I think that is sort of a, a really interesting thing that something we take just for so granted today i had to be taught it mm-hmm. yeah that's that's interesting that you say that you don't remember the very first time because i don't either my very first memory of using the internet i was actually at a friend's house from what i remember and we went to i think it was the school website like the school district website of our area and I'm not sure why we went there, but he pulled up a video game. Oh. Now, this game was as shoddy and hand-drawn as they come. It was Quidditch. I remember it was Quidditch, and what Quidditch. it was was these two Harry Potter-style-looking characters on broomsticks. Very 2D. It, I'm pretty sure it was drawn on Microsoft Art. I'm not <laughs> I'm not even kidding because the color scheme was the same. It was extremely simple. But there was a red ball that was bouncing off the edges of the screen and you could see the and that's the quaffle, right? The red ball is a quaffle, right? One of our, one of the balls is the quaffle. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got the hoops at either end and they're on either end of the screen. And what you would do is that it was actually a two-player game. And one player controlled the arrows on the keyboard and the other player controlled the mouse. And you would play with each other or you could do single player as well. But what would happen is that that red ball would bounce off the screen and then you would take your avatar, your Harry Potter broomstick guy. You would go toward the red ball and if you touch the red ball the animation would change until you were carrying the red ball and then you had to get to the hoop to score 10 points and the opponent whether it was the computer or your friend would have to chase you and if they tagged on to you then the red ball would be theirs and then they would chase over and then there was like a one to two second grace period where they couldn't steal the ball again from Mm -hmm. you so it wasn't like this crazy, yeah. you know, back and forth because the pixels are still touching each other. And once you had the red ball and made it to the hoop, all of a sudden the scoreboard would appear 10 points and then the red ball would be bouncing off the walls again. And that's what you did. I don't even think there was an end to the game. I think you had to make that up with yourself of like, oh, we're going to 50 points. And that was my earliest memory of the internet. Interesting. And the reason why this was so interesting to me was my thoughts about it were like, what made the internet so cool? I was thinking to myself, what made the internet so cool as a kid? And I remember playing a lot of games. 
and I was interested of like, well, that's not all that special, right? And I realized, well, here's the thing. Games back then were programs. They still are today. But the ability to play free games online, as crappy as they looked, was still a free game. Yeah. And no ads. No ads. No, you didn't have to buy anything. These games were free. And then as time went on, I remember there was a bunch of different websites. There was miniclip.com. Loved miniclip. And there was a bunch of others. Uh, gosh, Matt, cool math games. Cool math games. Yeah, which actually had cool math games. Yeah. I think they even had balloons on there. The monkey balloon tower defense was on there. Yeah. At some I, point. I, I went to addicting games a lot. Addicting games, yep. Um But it's interesting because today it's like it's not as cool to just get a free game. In fact, the free games in the internet gaming world are um some of them are actually really popular, but you still have to pay if you want to get like the cool skins or if you want to get the cool features of it. Right. Um like Fortnite is one example of that where it's free, but if you want anything that's cool on there, you got to pay money. I think that model is a lot better than the pay to win models where mm-hmm. you get actual like game mechanic changing bonuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's just a skin, whatever, you can pay them 20 bucks for a cool skin. Yeah. Um, but that was one example of like, I kind of liked it back then. And in this sense, um, I'm kind of beating around the bush of what my answer is to, mm-hmm. is the internet uh, better today than it was yesterday? Just games I remember were more enjoyable as a kid because they were free. Because we had one of these demo discs that had like all of these different Microsoft games, but they were all just the demo, right? So whenever we would play it, it would reach a certain level, and then we couldn't play anymore. Whereas on the these internet games, that was the game. Yeah. You know, that was the whole game. And eventually, as time went on, the games got better. And then instead of just like these regular games where you could play by yourself, then all of a sudden multiplayer was introduced. Yeah. Do you remember RuneScape? Oh, I played so many hours on RuneScape. That was a fun game. The only trouble... Was that RuneScape also introduced a harsh reality for me. And that was, you can't access the full game unless you pay a $5 subscription. Yeah. Today, as an adult, it's like, you know what, that that ain't that bad. Like, if I really like that game, $5 a month isn't horrible. As a kid, I was like, where the heck am I going to get $5 every freaking month? Yeah. <laughs> so I was it's like, well, now I, I can play it, but I can't, I can't play it, play it, you know? I'd reach a certain area, it's like, you cannot do this. You must pay $5.99 a month. You have to have a premium membership. Exactly. I Yeah, and I I ran into that same problem. I, I thought that game, there was enough free stuff that it kept me interested. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't about to go ask my dad for five bucks for a video game like what nonsense is this exactly exactly use five bucks and go get some 
candy or something real. Yeah, or put it in a savings account. Yeah. It's probably what they would say. Oh, put it in a savings account, which we're not going to do as a kid. That's basically <laughs> just throwing your money away. <laughs> yeah. Go it's gone. A, go get a book. <laughs> exactly. Um, But I think I'm just going to ask the point blank question to you then. If you're <laughs> yeah. prepared to answer, did the internet get better with time? Um, yeah, I think it did. And I could definitely argue either way. Uh, mm-hmm. There's arguments on both sides, but I think it has gotten better. Yeah. The The analogy, I was trying to think of an analogy to um, s- sort of summarize my thoughts. And the, the best one I could think of was... The early internet maybe was like safety scissors and the new internet is lightsaber scissors (laughs) (laughs) where the utility is obviously much higher, but a lot more dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so for us mortals, uh, I, I often think that the humans are a lot dumber than we sort of think we are. <laughs> we're given this amazing, dangerous tool, and we just don't know how to use it. So we're like little kindergartners given really sharp scissors. Here, can I take these? Run really fast. Go, go, go. Move, 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 move. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. What, what, what do you think? To answer point blankly, um, I think we created a monster. <laughs> Um, well, that's good. We can we can talk about this and yeah. have some discourse. I think it's a little more complicated than I thought it was going to be because in utility, yes, it has gone better. However, to summarize my thoughts and so we can dive deep a little bit because I honestly think what I have to say alone would not fit into this episode because after thinking about it, it just opened up a whole well of Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. With the internet. And so we'll definitely have to revisit this in another episode and maybe get more specific. But. Well, literally there's, I I was looking at this guy that writes books. There's books written about this topic. Yeah. And perhaps this is our most current topic that we've, we've done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And with the internet, I was trying to think of, the perspective we have as kids, because we got to see the fun side. If, it, if the internet wasn't fun, it was like, whoa, 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 what are we doing with this? You know, if mom came to me and said, look, you can order a book from the internet. I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's great. <laughs> I already have a library at school. What the crap? What do I, Yeah. <laughs> why you got to ruin the internet for me, mom? <laughs> but that was Amazon. Yeah. And now you think about that reference amazon is now in my life heavily you know like it's in a lot of people's lives heavily because if they need something that they can't get from the store at any store they go to amazon and if they want it within a couple of days because they can't get it that day because they don't want to drive and get it they can get it you know yeah it's a testament to my lack of vision i suppose i i saw this commercial back in the day for a smartphone and one of their points, their selling points was, oh, you can order uh, uh, whatever you want. You can do your shopping on your lawn chair. 
And I was like, yeah. But then you have to pay for shipping and you have to wait for a long time. It's just so much easier to go to the store. It's That's never going to take off. <laughs> How old were you when this happened? I was probably like, I don't know, 12. <laughs> That'll never happen. That'll never take off. Your old man was already starting to sprout at age 12. <laughs> Um, but how wrong I was. <laughs> I have a question. What was, do you know what your parents used the internet for? Or do you remember your parents using the internet? Because we were, we are one of the first generations to grow up with the internet, but basically with the internet, you know? Yeah. Whereas today our kids are going to be growing up with a very, very mature aged internet both literally and just it has time it has had time to develop but i think about our parents where they weren't probably weren't as concerned with the gaming effect of internet as we were so what do you remember your parents using the internet when when you were younger yeah the only thing i can remember is uh they did some advertising for their alpaca business uh they they paid google to have like one of the top spots if okay you, if you searched alpaca farm or something yeah that's a that's kind of a corporate pay to win right there yeah <laughs> <laughs> the game always is there <laughs> we're always playing the game but besides that i can't really think of anything oh uh we were early adopters of netflix where we would you would order the mm-hmm. the movies and they would come to you. Uh, we enjoyed that service. That was also, I remember doing that with uh, with my sister. She had a Netflix subscription, and they would be mailed to us. Do you think with Netflix? Did that experience take away from the Hollywood video or the blockbuster experience? Like today? No, I mean like when you were a kid. Like did you ever go to Hollywood video or blockbuster when you were a kid? Yeah, and that was fun. I don't think it it was just an, another way to get movies. You know? Okay. Because for me, going to blockbuster and Hollywood video also meant getting a snack. Uh, like getting the box candy, you know? yeah. And I don't remember seeing that box candy at just like any grocery store. I'm sure it was there, but candy has a different feel. When it came from Blockbuster. When it came from Blockbuster with a movie, you know, or a video game. Like if you rented a video game from Blockbuster. Yeah. And so if Netflix, Netflix was cool, but I didn't didn't really understand it as a kid, mostly because that was like the RuneScape effect. You had to have a monthly subscription. Right, you know? And so it's something that I was not able to access because I did not have an income as a, <laughs> <laughs> as a 12, 13-year-old. Um, but I bet that would have seemed more appealing as a kid if it came with, like, if Netflix delivered candy with that movie. Oh, that'd be yeah. kind of cool. Hook, hook them while they're young. <laughs> um. So, uh, what, what sort of like your internet journey, the, you you talk about your, 
your first experience. Yeah. Um, did you think it was good back then? And then where did you go? And where did how did you get to this point where you think it's a monster? Yeah. So, <laughs> crack my knuckles. Where did I think it would become where it was a monster? Well, let me get to that by first, like, sorry, let me hit the reset button. Okay. So my first experience was remembering that Quidditch game. Everything after that I remember about the internet was purely entertainment. And as I went along with it, I would be playing video games on there. But then my brother, because we would have just one computer, right? Right. So when I wanted to use a computer, most of the time someone else was already on it. And so my brother would be on it and me loving everything my brother does. I'd be seeing him watching something. I'd be like, whoa, what is that? Lo and behold, my introduction to HomestarRunner.com. Oh, yes. Any internet story has to pass by Homestar Runner. Exactly. So my first experience with with the internet was from video games. And then it took a full-on swan dive into video entertainment. And this was before YouTube. Right. Um, and this was where... If you wanted to find a video, you had a, a plethora of internet sites that you could go to. And some of them were different. Some of them were cartoons. Some of them were homemade cartoons. Some of them, like Homestar Runner, was a full-on website dedicated to those characters. And it had games and cartoons. And you can even interact with them through Strong Bad Emails. And that was my jam. Strong bad emails. Did you ever get a strong bad email to to be like read? No, of course not. I don't know how. I was so sad. <laughs> but I would send I sent a few. Um the the model was they they would have all these emails and this kind of uh, quirky character in a uh wrestling mask would answer an email and then <laughs> go on an adventure about the email. And these were stupid things. It was like, like, what if you were a Japanese cartoon? Your friend, Tennessee. Well, Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he, this character would have the crappiest of computers. Like we're talking, making fun of computers to the max. And it was funny as crap. His first computer was one of those green ones. Like, the lights were green on it. The cathode ray to the green scanning electrons. Yeah. So, I won't go too much in the depth on that, but suffice it to say that Homestar Runner was my favorite website. And it's still, in many ways, is today my favorite one. Uh, That was really the prince of video, Mm -hmm. of internet video back in the day. And then... Stupid videos was kind of like the fail army of today. It didn't always have home videos. It had some edited funny ones. But it wasn't until I was about, I'd say, 13. When I was 13, I got my first iPod. And that's when YouTube, I was able to access YouTube through that. And it was slow. Because... 
the iPod came out, but wireless connection was kind of something for the rich. Whereas today, you don't necessarily have to be rich to have Wi-Fi access. But back then, it was like, if you want a good Wi-Fi access, you had to have all the hookups, you know? And so it would take me like seven minutes just to load up the first 10 seconds. Right. And back then, that's when I started diving into more of looking for cool stuff, not just funny. And I remember my first YouTube video was actually an Andy McKee um, guitar video. Mm. And Andy McKee is this guitar artist where he would play the guitar in an unconventional way. I'm sure it has a name, but he would be slapping the guitar both as an acoustic instrument and he would be slapping the strings. That was really cool to see. But trying to watch it on my iPod would take (laughs) hours. It was frustrating. Right. And I also noticed on the iPod, it had these blocks on the screen, but they were, it didn't like fill up the whole screen. It had like music safari and at first i was like what the crap is safari you know what is a safari yeah i was thinking myself safari was like literally a map system to take me to africa or something um turns out it was the web browser um and so that was where the internet kind of started to change and once we got better internet then i could access more but i didn't realize that those squares were actually the applications And I remember kids would try to hack their phones because there was no app store back then. And so kids would take their their iPods because the iPhone hadn't come out yet. But they would take their iPods and there was a system on the Internet that would hack into their iPods so that they could download games. Right. But it would completely destroy the I guess it was iOS. It would destroy the iOS of the whole thing. Um, so that's how it was. And then years later, they actually came out with the app store and then people were actually able to publish their own applications. And it wasn't until then where the light switch went on my head. of like, oh, that's why those blanks are there. That's why the screen wasn't full with all these squares. But when I first got it, you couldn't do that. And then to continue my journey, got into junior high and middle school, and that was the whole Wikipedia's evil era when we were <laughs> when we were trying. <laughs> that was the era where internet was introduced as a learning vessel, which kind of ruined it, to be honest. It was great, but at the same time, I didn't like being forced to use the internet for school purposes, you know? Which is hilarious, because when, when I tell my story, that's what, like, keyed it into gear for me. <laughs> And it's another thing to think about Wikipedia today of, like, every time I go to Wikipedia, the the source seems reliable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wikipedia is one of the most reliable places of information out there. And when I was in high school, it was like, do not cite Wikipedia. Do not cite Wikipedia. Do not do it. Do not do it, man. (laughs) Or you will have to redo the entire essay. I'm pretty sure a teacher said that once, too. Which it was hilarious because... It was so easy to get around. I would do the Wikipedia article, and then I would go down to the references of the Wikipedia article and re- cite those instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's genius. <laughs> and so in high school, that's where the internet kind of took a more, um, took a more 
what's the word? Scholastic approach. Oh, before that, though, I got my first email address when I was about 11, 12 years old. It was around that time when I got my first email address, which introduced communication, but I only could communicate with uh, my stepbrother at the time. That yeah. was it. I didn't know anybody else with uh, um email address. But that was kind of cool because I had an AOL account. And if you know AOL, oh, yeah. you know the... Dial-up. The dial-up. And that would take forever. I remember your status as a kid was sometimes elevated, depending on how long you had to listen to that. If you could see the little guy, the little yellow guy running, and then running faster, and then all of a sudden on the planet Earth, and then you hear the, welcome, you've got mail, you know? The faster you heard that, the higher your status was as a kid, whereas if you're still sitting there listening to the shh. (laughs) Anyway. So, there was that, and then there was learning to use the internet for our um, scholastic purposes, And then, all of a sudden, I feel like around that time, without me even knowing it, we could do everything online. Yeah. You could apply for college. You could find information. You could play video games. You could play video games with other people. And this is also when my brother and I would start playing online games on consoles. And so you weren't necessarily on computer, where internet was like, you had to be on the computer. All of a sudden, you didn't have to be on the computer. You could just right. be on something else, and you could still be on the internet. And, but the reason, and I could I could talk about this all day, but the reason why I think we've created a monster is because things that didn't need the internet now require them. The internet is not just an enhancer anymore; it is the lifeblood. Which is kind of scary if you think about it. And I'm not saying that an EMP is going to come anytime soon. But I just think about like, well, what if the internet couldn't work for some reason? Whether it was by a war caused thing or not. Would we be able to remember the old ways? Like, what if, I don't know how banks do it, but if all, and I, I would be surprised if, all banks had only digital forms of everything. Yeah. Um, because if they did, that would be very scary because what if the internet was down for more than two days for an entire branch? You know? Well, yeah. I I think I read something where if Google put all of their data onto punch cards, it would fill like a cube the size of Manhattan or something. <laughs> just an insane amount of data. And that's just, that's like data punch cards, right? right? So not word to word like files, but dang. Um, oh yeah. So then you have the family history records that's literally like drilled into a mountain yeah (laughs) you have them all online of course but for every digital record you have a physical record that's kept deep inside of a mountain far away from emps Mm -hmm. yeah um 
which I think is very smart for them to think about, which kind of makes me feel like they know something we don't, which mm. obviously they do. <laughs> the There was a really good podcast, one of my favorites called Flash Forward, where they go over like possible futures mm-hmm. and they do an episode on what if the internet shut down. And I recommend anyone going and checking out that episode. Oh, nice. So to kind of put a cherry on top with this as well as on my end of why we created a monster, it's social media. Yeah. My first Facebook was, it was actually about the time that we met is when I made my first Facebook. Um, I think it was actually six months before we met. So I was in junior high and I think I was just old enough to make it or maybe I faked my birthday. I can't remember. I know MySpace. I didn't touch MySpace. My brother did MySpace, but I heard some weird things. And so I just decided to go straight to Facebook. Yeah, I never did MySpace. And Facebook was pretty fun at first. But over time, when I think about it today, I got rid of my personal Facebook a few years ago. It was like two or three years ago. And I'm not trying to be preachy or anything, but I I tell you, I feel so much better without it. Yeah. Because it's not so much that Facebook itself is evil, which... (laughs) There's an argument. There's an argument there, especially with the whole meta thing going on. Like, we're turning into... uh, James Halliday situation, except James Halliday might not be this cool guy. <laughs> quirky, fun-loving guy. But... Oh, quirky for sure. But um... <laughs> So I, I just on that, I saw a thing where Facebook got in trouble because they were using the anger emoticon to promote posts uh, more heavily in their algorithm than any of the other emoticons i remember this because they found that posts that uh incited anger were more uh shareable and more viral which was good business for them yeah which that's terrible if you're promoting you're literally promoting hate and anger yeah and there's a difference between um i love rivalry kind of I wouldn't say hate, but I love rivalry kind of stuff. And I, I mean that literally. Of, It's fun to talk about sports and it's fun to bash on other teams. As long as no beer cans are thrown at people's heads, I think, you know, sports games are fine. The thing about Facebook and social media is that we've created a way, and I guess people could have done this with letters, but it's a lot harder to insult somebody when they're in the same room as you. And it's a lot harder to insult somebody if they're in arm's reach of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Facebook made it instantaneous to, and it wasn't, I guess it wasn't Facebook. Facebook is just the most successful uh, social media where they made it so you can insult anybody and not suffer the repercussions of it, really. You can even do it unanimously. Yeah. And that goes with YouTube and that goes with a lot and that's it it is a shame that we react more with anger than we do with kindness now this isn't completely universal there are plenty of good videos on youtube that have 
well over a hundred million views, you know, yeah, that are good and wholesome, but it's not as common or as well known as videos that are can be used to instill like violent or angry feelings. But on the flip side of that, did you hear that YouTube is actually taking away their dislike button? Hey, I heard about that. And so I don't necessarily think a dislike is a bad thing because if if everything were just likes, 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 I don't know if that would be good. Because I saw a funny meme, and memes are completely different internet thing we could talk about. Yeah, we'll do a whole episode on just memes. Yeah. Um, but there was this picture of... Like a distressed man, like like in agony. But the caption was, "When YouTube gets rid of their dislike video dislike button, so now you don't know which tutorial videos are crap." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That's a really good point." Yeah. Like if you're trying to learn how to do something and there's only like buttons, yeah. All of a sudden you have to look at the date and you have to look at the like buttons and you have to gauge like how likely is this video getting a hundred likes in three years with a million views? Hmm. Is that good or bad? <laughs> yeah. The what's what's the view to like ratio with the time? You know, like you yeah. have to triangulate how bad of a video it is by doing that. And nobody has time for that. So there's plenty more avenues and more depth I could go into, but that's my two cents is that the internet has gone more efficient, but we have created a monster. Because there are things I feel that if the internet were to shut down, not only how would a bank function or how would online transfers work, we would just have to go back to the old ways, you know? Yeah. But how would we function as a, on a social level? Yeah. I, I sort of think we should just get rid of social media. There's, there's plenty of other ways to connect with people Mm -hmm. and you could argue that you're not really even connecting with them through social media so a a, a case study is uh (laughs) do you remember darby yeah yeah good old darby (laughs) (laughs) um you know i'll i'll refrain from using her last name Mm -hmm. but darby was one of my first loves Uh (laughs) (laughs) my like junior high crushes right and uh we met basically through facebook um she was a a friend of like my my sister's family or something but we we messaged a lot you know for hours and we would have these really intimate conversations not uh you know, keeping it PG or whatever. Yeah, we, not, were, we were in junior high. Yeah, not sexual, but in like we talked about maybe kissing one day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ooh, spicy. <laughs> we might hold hands. Ooh. <laughs> um, and I was just smitten. You know, this this girl, man. It was my the first time that I liked someone and someone liked me back, and. Uh, then we met up in at school because we went to the same junior high and I, I walked her to our class and we didn't say a word to each other. We just like, we just, <laughs> hey, yeah, hey. 
well, here's your class. And it was awful. It was awkward. For, so somehow, and it wasn't uh, before anyone gets any ideas, she was really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, there wasn't any catfishing going on. Everyone agreed that she was a really pretty girl. Mm-hmm. But just for some reason, there was a disconnect between our online personalities and uh, chemistry and our actual real personalities and chemistry. Right. Um, which I think brings up a good point of when you write something, even if it is just a handwritten letter, you're automatically writing in a monotone voice. A voice that is interpreted by the reader. And usually, especially in a love form, they're going to be reading that letter as if you are just, like, the best person ever. So there's that element. Um, There's also the element of, did you ever ask somebody to help you with those messages? Or have you ever asked somebody to, like, Uh, hey, can you read this and tell me if I need to fix something? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe with Darby, you didn't do that, but I've definitely done it with like emails I'll be sending to a boss or to a coworker. I'll hand it over to my wife. I'm like, okay, how did I do? And then she'll read it over and she'll be like, yeah, it looks good. Or mm, this needs to change. I would not say this. I would say it like this. So all of a sudden it's edited. You have a ton of time to think about it. When it comes to love relationships, you don't have time to sit there and to like, push the pause button and be like, Hey, let me type up something good. Let me type up something saucy. You're just kind of sitting there and you realize I have 30, no 29, no 20 seconds to talk to this person. What do I say? What do I say? What do I say? You're, you're saying in a real situation. Yeah. In a like, real situation. A yeah. Whereas where you're texting, whether it's uh, through Tinder or you already got their number, you got that far when you're texting somebody and they're intimate, which isn't bad. It's just, it's harder, like you said, like you illustrated, when you're in an actual setting, especially of meeting somebody for the first time, it's like, hi. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot uh, more raw, more unfiltered. And and maybe that's the word is uh, when, when you're online, you have a filter that you put on it. And then if you get help with someone else, they put a filter on it. And then the reader puts another filter on it mm-hmm. and whatever gets through may or may not be what you intended at all. Yeah. And if you are heavily into social media, you also know that you can delete your comments sometimes or you can even edit them. Right. You can't edit what you actually say. If you say something and somebody is in earshot, they'll always remember what you first said. You can't go into their brain and you can't delete your comment. Right. Um, that always reminds me of uh, 1984. Because they, they have this whole section of the book where they're uh, editing news articles. And <laughs> and trying to create this narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these things, I wouldn't say, are bad in nature. No. I would say that the internet... Um, is dangerous in ways, extremely helpful in others, and it's up to the user. How it's used will determine whether it is dangerous or not. Yeah. And there's a lot of smut on the internet, um, both in, like, 
graphic detail and also in just slander and lies, misinformation. But there's also a lot of funny things. There's also a lot of good things. Like, there are ways to get in touch with people. Like, Skype is a great way. I remember when I was living in Honduras for two years, I was able to Skype my family and I was able to actually see them, you know? Which I think is a huge blessing. And that wouldn't have been possible without the internet. Right. Whereas before, I would have to wait two years before I could see my family's face. Right. And so that's a huge blessing. That's a way that I think you can connect. But that kind of connection, I feel like, maybe not in every case, but in that particular case, connecting through the internet is where you can connect with people because there's no other way to connect. And that's what makes it meaningful. Yeah. But if you're connecting with people that you can connect with, um, even if it takes a little effort, but you're using the internet to connect with people like that, it's that can be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, I think that's part of the the miracle of the internet. That like the early days of the internet, the miracle was I can talk to this guy in Australia mm-hmm. and have a really you know intimate conversation and get to know him, and that is amazing. Yeah. You know? uh and and now we we don't talk about that miracle as often the the miracle is oh yeah i i found a recipe online that's, yeah. that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah um because it is so prevalent in our everyday life whereas when i started as a kid the internet was definitely not an everyday occurrence sometimes it was at the weekend when i was able to use the computer you know right that's partly why it was so magical i think is because all of a sudden at the end of the week i was able to enter a world of cartoon bliss right at my fingertips i didn't have to Mm -hmm. wait until six o'clock to watch an episode i could just do it and but now the internet is almost in everything we do like we have pods in our houses where we can ask them questions example hey google what time is it you know yeah hey siri what time is it you know and it's just one of those things where it is everywhere and we use it every day but i fear that are we losing the old ways that actually were meaningful and i mean that in every way well okay so Something I've been thinking about, another analogy that I came up with, and I'll, I'll do the analogy first, and then I'll explain it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> the, the, the analogy is Disney movies. In the early days, Disney movies were amazing. They were the cultural, cultural phenomenons um, every, every, every time, you know, Toy Story, Lion King, and the... I guess those aren't all Disney, but uh, these were revolutionary. Now, you you talk about Aladdin, like the live-action Aladdin or the live-action Mulan, and the reviews are heartless, it's soulless, you know, there's it's a money grab. And... I think about that for the internet, where in the early days, if you wanted to 
make a website and put information out there, uh, you you had to come at it with a, a love of the topic that you're doing. You know, if you do a blog co- blog post about birding in in Utah or antique clocks or a ham radio or something, you you come at it with a, a love of the topic. Yeah, and so there's a lot more heart to it nowadays, uh, where money is so involved and corporations are trying to get a piece of that pie. Uh, you might get an intern to write an article about the antique clock business or whatever, and they have no love for it. Right. Uh, so, indefinitely, in the the corporatization of the internet and the the scope of it has really. Uh, diminished the the value of it it's diluted and it's such a deep topic not so much emotionally but just in content literally like like it's, there's just so much you can do with the internet it's in every facet of our lives and i think yeah and we haven't even started talking about the the crazy things that are going on with like data collection mm-hmm. and our online profiles and advertisements that are pandered just to us and yeah the algorithms that, yeah that that's a whole uh university course you know exactly and we're just kind of scratching the surface of this giving our answers and i'm realizing like wow we really could just bushwhack the crap this is the amazon of yeah this is something we could talk about for hours in the hot tub about yeah amazon like the jungle not the website (laughs) it might be confusing in this context (laughs) yeah um but i'm i'm realizing that we've been talking a lot about how it's a monster and i i need to come at it with my position of i think it has gotten better okay go ahead so i i think we should go back to Wikipedia mm-hmm. for just a moment. Wikipedia is a, a, a pillar of human ingenuity, and it is it, it's sort of the the poster child of what the internet could be. <laughs> you know, you have this this collective effort to gather all of the earth's facts into one place um and i was thinking about it if if wikipedia didn't exist today right in some alternate universe it didn't start but then i get the idea for it in in today's climate and i tried to pitch it to somebody there's no way it would get off the get off the ground because <laughs> there's there's no way to make money off of it right and just the the hundreds and thousands of man hours that it takes to do that with little to no compensation mm-hmm. it would just never do it uh, however it it does exist and it continues to get better and better mm-hmm. um 
And in my discipline where I am a researcher and scientist, I don't have to go to the library anymore and, and dust off these old tomes of, of books to try to find some sort of esoteric knowledge. I can Google it and not even Google it. I can uh, go to Google Scholar or I can go to a uh, web of science and, and find all this information uh, really, really readily and quickly. And that saves us a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so I would argue that uh, the internet is a lot like giving everyone a knife. <laughs> and cer- certainly the knife is um, very useful. You can chop your food. You can hunt. You can... Uh, you know, protect yourself. You can do all these really useful things. However, in in the wrong hands, it's weaponized. Um, and so, it, it it's the the classic. It's a tool argument. Yeah. Where I think if uh, the way that people use the internet is more a reflection on the person and less a reflection on the tool. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think with the internet, I can see that point of view too. Of It's not just like this linear, has the internet gone bad or, or better? It's not like this line graph. It's kind of like a raindrop. Not to be too, <laughs> you know, uh, flowery with my language, but... It has expanded into pretty much every aspect of our lives. And it does reflect on who we are as a people, as a person, individual as well, depending on how we use it. To that effect, or to that point though, I also would add that there are still kind of these dangers, you know. Going back to the anger posts from facebook about how they silently promoted the angrier posts it's hard to fight those feelings you know right i'm an advocate of like you can't always control how you feel but you can't control how you act but if you're closer and closer and surrounded by negative feelings it's hard to stay within that little personal zen garden you know and so that's why for me, I had to get rid of Facebook, not for anger reasons, like if it was just making me angry, but it was making me lonely. Yeah. And that was on me. That wasn't on Facebook. That was on me. But I had to get rid of it because it wasn't helping. And so, yeah, while it wasn't Facebook's fault, it definitely wasn't helping. But again, that was a reflection on me. But the tool was becoming destructive for yeah. me. Did I tell you I got rid of YouTube? Really? That's my next step because I'm addicted to YouTube. I can't yeah. stop watching the funny videos. Yeah, me neither. I, you know, <laughs> I I would just watch, and for me, it, it you know it what starts out innocent. I'll watch an engineering video or something related to school, um, and then you know there's another engineering video of a different topic that's maybe a little more goofy or comedic. 
mm-hmm. uh, some guy making a x-ray machine in his garage <laughs> you know or and then it, it just slowly slips down until i'm watching just ridiculous stuff time wasters you know, minecraft videos and, and things mm-hmm. like that so i i got uh, i made a contract with michaela where i i because i think in a lot of ways youtube is really necessary mm-hmm um and unavoidable and so i made a contract where i i listed the type of videos that i could watch such as um like if it's directly related to like a homework assignment or research or um like a ted talk Mm -hmm. or something like that and i listed all these other things that i can't watch and my my punishment is if if i break my contract i have to pay i have to donate a hundred dollars to charity <laughs> holy crap yeah and it's been great i uh, i i've loved it you've donated nothing to charity i've donated nothing to charity <laughs> <laughs> so in not watching youtube you've become a scrooge i'm just joking <laughs> well and it, no so i mean i still am charitable and i i still give no, I know. I'm just um, poking at you. <laughs> but, um, and I wanted to do that so that my punishment, if I did slip up, wouldn't hurt, like, my family. Yeah. It's still, like, a, a good thing to give and stuff. Right. Um, but I, I've been a lot happier. And I, part of my stipulation on that contract was if someone shows me a video, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Because then it's like connecting and, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah, I can understand that one. It's, this is such a, wow, there's just so much we can talk about. Like, my mind is like, well, I want to talk about this and that and this. Um, and I think you're exactly right that it is about how we use it as an individual. And YouTube is one of those ones that's, that's my current vice. Because I'm off Facebook, personally, and I'm off Instagram, personally. YouTube, however, is connected to my Google account, so it knows exactly who I am. <laughs> and, yeah, I'll probably I'll probably be watching it for a while, but I, I should get into restricting myself just a little bit. Not that I waste huge, huge amounts of time to where I don't go to work or I don't do what I'm supposed to, but it's still... A major distraction and i think my fear has been if i don't watch it now it's gonna get lost and it's like what the what are you talking about youtube is a freaking library like it's not like the videos are gone right you know they stay there but there's no way that you could ever watch all of the videos oh no and so, and so in a sense uh, the longer you're away the more videos are just going to be lost to time mm-hmm lost in the deep expanses of the interwebs right okay here's a question for you yeah kind of off topic not really but who's the inventor of the internet uh it's a tim uh burner lee tim burner lee yeah why is that not a household name i don't know he's a he's arguably the most influential person of our century tim burner lee yeah tim burner lee Okay. He's a really interesting character. He 
he invented it when he was working at CERN, the like the the particle accelerator. <laughs> um, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's a uh, you know like where they shoot protons together and they explode and they discover new particles. Okay, but it, it's this huge organization, um, and they have all this all these different computers that have different information on them. And he gets the idea, I want to connect all these computers and be able to access them from my computer so I don't have to go to the other room. Oh, that kind of, I was like, you want to take their information? No, no. Oh, that's no. cool. He, he, yeah. he doesn't want to go to the opposite side of the, the building to get this information. Right. He just wants to access it on his computer. And so then he, he invents the, the World Wide Web. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that escalated quickly. I want to connect to the computer in that room, but instead I'm connected to a computer in New Zealand, which is great. <laughs> well, yeah, and it, it's sort of built on the the backbone of what is actually known as the Internet, mm-hmm. which happened two decades before, you know, where you could access computers. Um, but the World Wide Web... Uh, is like the it's almost like the application on the system gotcha that makes sense well i think concerning this topic of bushwhacking i think we're in the thick of the amazon (laughs) no civilization no civilization in sight (laughs) and our excursion into the jungle has been very successful i feel but we have barely scratched the surface and so my comment and request to all of our uh, l- listeners and to our one subscriber is <laughs> please comment wherever you're listening to anything that we said, any any additional comments you have on what we said, but also please comment on what you would want us to re-bushwhack or revisit with this topic or diving deeper or whatever um subtopic of the internet you would want us to go into because i didn't even get to half of what i thought about with my notes i didn't even mention the possible world of already player one world you know which is a completely amazing topic all unto itself so please let us know when we revisit an internet topic to bushwhack, what should we focus on so that we can focus our energy? Yeah. We, we went way too broad with this one. Which I think is fine. That's yeah. the whole point of bushwhacking. We do what we want here. We do what we want. We're, we are unscripted and we, we try to keep it organized because we don't want everybody in the dark. But we don't have the man breathing down our neck telling us what to do. <laughs> Which, speaking of which, I need to get to work. Sorry, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this bushwhacking. I am Jack. And I am Fish. And you have a wonderful day.